Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in studio with Pastor Nick Plummer. Great to be here. Great to be here. What a beautiful, beautiful spring day. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, guys. Quail is on the menu today, and we're going to jump into that in just a second. But a couple quick reminders. Uh, Our top city this week, believe it or not, Gibraltar. So if you're in Gibraltar and you're listening to our podcast this week, thank you so much for listening. We love you. God bless you. We appreciate you listening, and we are excited to have you as a listener. Um. Also, uh, this coming, uh, not this week, but the following, we have uh, Luke Hilton from the Hyavel Ministries uh, coming to visit us with his family. We are very excited to host them here at Beit Tehillah. That's going to be on the 22nd and the 24th of this month, which is a Shabbat or a Saturday and a Monday night Bible study. So we're going to get a double dose of Luke Hilton. So that's very, very exciting. And uh, last but not least... We are still looking for your likes, shares, reviews, and so on and so forth. Uh, Whether you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud or some other place that you listen to podcasts, uh, you can feel free to still go to iTunes uh, because that's going to be the number one place to help us promote the podcast uh, for sure there and also on SoundCloud. Uh, If you want to reach out to me directly with a question or anything that you want to say, comments, whatever, we really do enjoy hearing from you. Uh, My email address is ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net, and we would love to hear from you. So we're going to jump into the tour portion uh, as we do every week, week in and week out. And this week's tour portion is Beha Alatka, and that is when you kindle. And this can be found... Oh, this can be found in uh, Numbers chapter 8, verse 1, through chapter 12 and verse 16. What an incredible book in the book of Numbers. We know uh, the book of Leviticus is broken up into two parts. Uh, Chapters uh, 1 through 17 is the way to God. Chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. But this particular book of Numbers is broken up into three sections. I want to share that with you. Uh, Once again, we look at chapters 1 through 9. This is at Sinai. This is the preparation for the journey. Now, the time frame is about a few weeks. So once again, at Sinai, chapters 1 through 9, uh, preparation for the journey. Uh, that's part one. Uh, part two, which we will be going into today, is, uh, of course, it begins in chapter 10 and verse 11, all the way through chapter 21 and verse 4. This is to Moab, to Moab. And this, of course, entails the journey. There's the preparation for the journey in part one. Part two is the journey itself. This takes place about 39 years Quite a length of time right there, you know what I'm saying? Uh, And so once again, we have that. The third and final stage, Ryan, is what really gets my attention, especially when it's uh, dealing with the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement. Uh, This is, of course, at Moab, on the the plains uh, of Moab, uh, right across from the Jordan River. This is at the gate to the land. At the gate to the land. This only takes place, Ryan, a few months and we know it's chapters, chapter 22 and verse 2, all the way through chapter 36. This is, uh, of course, something for all of us to think about. You know, remember, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And, of course, we want to finish strong. We also have another saying, next man up. Uh, so, once again, for the faint of heart, it's not going to be easy to get into the land. It's not going to be easy uh, in the kingdom of God. It says, the violent uh, taketh by force. So uh, I just want to remind all of you that uh, he that endures to the end shall be saved. So we got to press in. So those two things that we'll see in the third and final stage of this movement is, of course, something we're already seeing today, which is, of course, the occult with the example of Balaam and sexual immorality, how the leaders w- uh, of the enemies of Israel would send in their beautiful daughters to have Israel commit sexual immorality or adultery. So once again, uh, we don't want this to happen to our generation. We don't want this to happen to us. You come out of that stuff, you want to stay out of it. Amen. Uh, so let's look at the three key words found in this book as well. It's service, war, and wilderness. So once again, this whole book is an example of what not to do. Okay. And, uh, and, and the sad thing is we, we begin the journey with 603,550 of one generation. And within 39 years, uh, close to 40 there, 
we end up with 601,730 of another generation. So the numbers decreased, which is not good. You know, no. it's not good at all. So this is just a reminder. We're not here to beat up our ancestors uh, or any descendants of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but we can learn from their mistakes. We're going to discover some really, really cool things in this particular portion. Uh, and I guess for the sake of time, we're not going to get into to, to reading right now. We're going to read in a little bit here. But uh, we have, of course, right out of the gate here uh, in Numbers chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, we have this process uh, and we have the seven lamps and the Levites are purified, okay? We have the seven lamps and the Levites are purified in this particular portion of Scripture. And of course, the purpose uh, of the seven lamps on the candlestick was to have light. No windows in the tabernacle. Uh, this is Numbers 8, 2 right out of the gate. It's to have light. It's the only light that was given in the inner court. Of course, the outer court is exposed. Once again, you have an altar and a laver, and a lot of Christians are hanging out at the altar and laver pretty much. They're exposed to the elements, the principalities. But once you pull back the curtain and you go back behind those uh, five pillars and pull that curtain back and go in there, you're going to discover a beautiful menorah, a table of showbread, and the altar of incense. And if you ask yourself, where are you in the tabernacle? Uh, it's very interesting because we know that we have all different kinds of movements uh, throughout Christianity, throughout the early church, and uh, some incredible things happening, uh, even regards to Martin Luther, and that we are justified by our faith and not works, which was a great thing that he did uh, in regards to that. And this is where you, of course, created the... Uh, the, the Protestants, you know, the Protestants are simply protesting Catholics. Uh, this is what happened. We can see historically how this all played out. Uh, but the thing is, what I want to encourage all of you is that the altar is, is actually located to the east, and there's only one way in and one way out of the tabernacle. So you have to go by the altar every day, and you go to the laver, which is the washing of the water of the word. So then you go into this this tabernacle, this this curtain's pulled back. A lot of us are there now. And the, and I believe those of you that are listening are in this uh, inner court. And what do we find in there? Once again, the menorah, which represents the Holy Spirit. We have the Pentecostal movement, Azusa Street, uh, the, the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues and things like that given back to us, uh, which is quite fascinating. Uh, then we look over at the table of showbread in this inner court. The, the menorah is shining on this table of showbread. And of course, the bread is changed out every Shabbat. So Shabbat's a big deal in the Hebrews movement. And we have 12 loaves, which represent each tribe. Uh, not only that, but this table had a, a double rim on it, a double-edged uh, molding around it, uh, like a fence. And so, uh, you know, if you decide that, hey, I want to get close to the edge and maybe I'll fall off, there's, there's, there's some, some cautionary things created on this table so the loaves don't fall off. I thought it quite fascinating. And this table is about your identity. You know, uh, but we are slowly but surely moving into the, the mode of prayer. Prayer is really big right now. Praying for our government, praying for our president, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. There's a lot of prayers going up right now. And what we need to remember, everyone, those of you listening to the Hebrews of the Christian faith uh, movement in any regard, uh, we need to be praying the will of the Father. Not what we want, but what he wants through us. And that's what we're seeing, the restoration and regathering the whole house of Israel. So as we move on uh, in, in regards to Numbers chapter 8, we have the, uh, the cleansing of the Levites. This was a requirement uh, for the Levites to be cleansed. And of course, the three things that were required of the Levites for the cleansing process was to sprinkle water of purifying on them, shave all their flesh, and wash their clothes. Uh, Numbers 8, 7. So those three things were needed to sprinkle water of purifying on them, shave all their flesh, and wash their clothes. Now, the Levites had to perform animal sacrifices for the cleansing process as well. And I love this part, Ryan. The children of Israel put their hands on the Levites. Mm. You know, uh, it's interesting if you stop and think about what the Father's asking us to do. We do a lot of self-promotion in this movement. People promote themselves. Well, be, yeah, you know? because they all of a sudden they're an expert and right, now but, they're but, on YouTube. But, but Ryan, here's the thing, though. The, the church or the community should send people out that represents you. And, and, and if you send yourself out, where's your accountability? Right. Well, God you know? needs to ultimately send people out, right? And so, well, that's the thing. Yeah. You know? but, but it's funny how we, we promote ourselves. We'll do this or we'll do that. But we know that, uh, that we believe in community. Uh, you know, build a strong community. Raise of the next generation. Uh, very interesting. So the children of Israel put their hands on the Levites in regards to this process. And in Numbers eight fourteen it says, 
Thus shalt thou separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. Very interesting. You know, one of the one of the promises or prophecies of Levi would be that he would be scattered among Israel. Right. So I think that's very, very interesting. And so once again, uh, they shall be his. The inheritance for the Levites was the Lord. You know, when people ask the Levite, hey, what's your inheritance? He'll say, it's the Lord. Yeah. I don't think you can get any better than that. Um, now, the firstborn of man and beast from the children of Israel, they, they of course, belong to the Lord. The firstborn of man and beast from the children of Israel belong to the Lord. You know, people would ask, well, why did God take the firstborn of Egypt? Well, because they belong to him. They're his. Right. Well, and, and when he God says takes... they're mine, but we want to be dedicated as a firstborn. I mean, God is the creator. He's sovereign. So, you know, when we think of our, our uh, things that we do here in the natural or the things that we perceive in the natural, we have to remember that there is a, a, a greater spiritual context that we, you know, have very little insight on. And as much as we do, we try to use it from a pragmatic standpoint. But when we look at things like the, the firstborn of Egypt or, or any other thing that we consider to be some sort of a atrocity by God, God is the creator. When he takes somebody or something, they're with him. I mean, amen? I mean, and isn't that the ultimate goal at the end of our lives anyways? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that we want to throw out, you know, the, the Old Testament, these laws, but, you know, what's wrong with a ceremonial law? This is a ceremony. It's a process. You know, if you just throw yourself into something, just do something in haste. Right. You know, there's no preparation. There's no, there's no spiritual audit. There's no, you know, there's no reflection time, you know. So I really like this part of, of what God is doing to teach us this process. And to that point, um, you know, we do ceremonies whether we think we do or not, right? People are, are, are creatures of habit. And so do you have godly habits or do you have habits that you came up with on your own? And, and, and even to the point where we say uh, ceremonial laws, I think where people are resistant to is anybody saying you have to do something. Right. You don't have to do it. But ultimately, God gave everyone free will. Nobody has to do anything, right? So it's, it's when God prescribes something and says, hey, this is for either A, for your own good, or B, this is how I want to receive uh, you know, worship or offering or sacrifice or whatever it is, right? Some sort of a, a relational thing. It's just like, you know, when your spouse says, hey, look, can you just turn your socks, you know, right side out before you throw them in the hamper so that I don't have to do it? I mean, it's just a simple thing that they ask, That's right? been done away with. Yeah, exactly. My point exactly, right? Uh, and, and I think that we, we as, a, as a Christian body, kind of throw, throw that out. And ultimately, we throw the baby out with the bathwater when we do it. And, you know, moving on to the age of the priesthood, this is very interesting. You know, people say, oh, the Bible's full of contradictions. Well, no, you're just taking something out of context. You know, I don't want to get into all the examples, but uh, this is actually brought up in Numbers chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. It says that the the beginning age for the Levites was 25, and then the ending age was 50. Uh, But we know in Numbers chapter 4, verse 3, and verses 43 and 47 of Numbers 4, we have, of course, this age group for Levites is actually 30 to 50. So the thing is, uh, there's the law first mentioned. Uh, and, of course, you can find this in First Chronicles 23 and verse 3 as well. Uh, but what's fascinating about the law first mentioned, Ryan, is that in Luke chapter 3, verse 23, it says that Yeshua's age was 30, about 30 when he began his ministry. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, moving on, of course, we, we, we look at this ages uh, 25 to 50 now, uh, and we find this in this particular reference, Numbers 8, verses 24 and 25. Uh, but what's fascinating, Ryan, is if you go back to First Chronicles 23, 24 with King David, and he set up the, 24, uh, the division of the priests, it's 20 to 50. It's 20 to 50. And so we, we can see where the age was actually dropped. Uh, I believe there was a, a need. You couldn't wait for someone to be 30, you know. It's like being at the church and saying, well, when you're 18, you can serve. We have youth serving at 12 and perhaps even 10, you know. But but that's what we've done. We've dropped that age down to where um, they can be used. You know, have two adults in child care with an assistant with, a, with a, you know, somebody under 18 can help with the kids in the nursery and everything. And so that's a little plug for those of you that are listening from Bay Tehillah, that we would love to have some more help in our children's ministry. Because the Bible says that we will return us and our children, so we're going to have to monitor that. Uh, so what an incredible uh, portion of scriptures that we've had here, you know. And, and of course, uh, this is also 
interesting as well. Uh, this is uh, for discussion like we had on, on Monday night. In the Mosaic Covenant, the Torah, that was made between God and Israel, it was declared that they would be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, the question is, how is that applied today? I have two references for you. Uh, Exodus 19.6, it's declared there. And then, of course, in 1 Peter 2.9. So how could we actually, not through DNA, but how could we actually uh, imitate the priesthood, Ryan? Uh, well, so I'm, I'm going to read the reference from 1 Peter 2.9. It says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And, you know, we're, we're talking about um, Yeshua, obviously, in, in these references. And so this verse is, is obviously talking about the people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. That, um, you know, that, you know, before this, we talk about the spiritual house putting, you know, the, the body of Christ being uh, lively stones put together. And then right after it says this, it says, which in time past, so it says, into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now people, the, uh, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So I love the fact that those two verses are sandwiched together because it's showing uh, a reference of of kind of in context. Who are we talking about here, right? And as you guys all know, um, you know we are firm believers uh, in the grafting in of of the body of Christ into Israel. That those who are in Christ are the seed of Abraham, and we kind of work it from there. But when you look at being a priest, what it, what does it mean? What is the what is the priest's job? Um, from an Old Testament perspective. Yeah, I love what Pastor Don says at my table. He says there's two things that we need to be mindful of, is to know God and to make Him known. Right. So He's asking us to be holy, you know, not self-righteous, but He's asking us to be holy. Set apart. Set apart. And of course, you know, the teachings and instructions that He's writing on our minds and hearts, He wants us to share. And, and you got to give an account of the faith that's in you, well, why do you do this, and why do you do, well, I get to, and this is what the Lord says to do. Right. Well, so I want to take it even one one step more basic than that. Um, you know, I believe that the priests were the mediators between the people and God, and so they were the ones that were doing the work. So when you brought a sacrifice, you didn't just willy-nilly do your sacrifice. You had a priest help you with that That's sacrifice, right. right? The high priest would go into the, the you know, the Kodesh Kodeshim, the Holy of Holies, you know, once a year on Yom Kippur. Um, but... In this case, we're talking about uh, a priesthood that now they're kind of opening up the priesthood to to everyone and anyone, which almost says, okay, well, you're a holy people, you're set apart, but if we're all priests, are we really set apart? And I would venture to say, well, it depends, right? <laughs> those that are of the faith and those that are not of the faith, right? So that's the distinction that we're making. And that these priests were ambassadors for God. They were his representatives on earth. Well, now through faith in Messiah, because the Holy Spirit lives in us and because Jesus lives in us. Now we are his representatives on earth. And so we are the priests. So when, when we have people in our families or whatever that have uh, issues, they should be able to come to us. And how many of us who have been in faith for a long time and walking that out, showing a good report, you know, in, in public, um, that we have people that come to us when they have needs or they have something that they need to talk about or, or something along those lines. That is the action of being a priest. You don't maybe think of it, but but being an ambassador for Christ is being a priest, and I think that when we when we focus on it that way, and we put it to a pragmatic level, um, that we can really uh, really do that. And I think the bottom line is that it says that those of us that were called out of darkness and into His marvelous light, whose marvelous light, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, and so it is showing the light of Jesus Christ that makes us, you know, a qualified good priest. And so the question I guess that we should ask is, are you showing forth the praises of Yeshua, the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, shining that light in the dark places of other people's lives and helping them come out of darkness and meet Yeshua and, and come into his marvelous light? You know, it's getting darker and darker, Ryan. I'll tell you, you know, as a pastor, I, I was really engaged in helping a lot more people a few years ago than even today. You know, mm -hmm. there's like, there could be days or a week other than the service where people don't contact me. They don't want prayer. They don't need to counsel. They're just out there just a roaming around. Everything's good, you know, and it makes you wonder, is, is it really that good? You know, uh, and so it's interesting how, you know, 
we just have to recognize the need. You know, we don't need religion. We need relationship. Absolutely. You know, we need Yeshua. And so I'm only sharing that because, you know, in good times and bad, he's always there. Uh, and what I love about, you know, God is, is, is this next chapter uh, in Numbers chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. We have a, a title here, the Passover in the second month. So basically, there were certain men unable to keep the Passover uh, because they were defiled by the dead body of a man. Yeah. So they could not celebrate Passover because ceremony, they were not clean, they, they were not ready. And so there was a provision that was made that God made that you could celebrate the Feast of Passover in the second month on the 14th day. So you're saying God gives a God of second chances? Well, you know, out of all the feast days, this is the only feast day that you can make up. So right out of the gate, you, you get to do that. You know, it's interesting because uh, there's a, there's another example, and, and I'll just give this to you. In Second Chronicles chapter 30, verses 1 through 27 with King Hezekiah, he had a situation where they had to celebrate it in the second month, and they were still not clean like they should have been. And God says, well, because you prayed and the people were earnest in their prayers and, and humility or whatever, he, he, he forgave them and cleansed them and says, yes, you can celebrate the Feast of Passover in the second month. Yeah. So they almost missed it again. Right. So you can read that for yourself, you know, about God's grace and mercy. Well, and what's, what is cool about Testament. that story is, you know, there's several stories throughout the Bible, um, you know, Ezra uh, and Nehemiah being, being another one of them, uh, but where they find the Torah again, and Josiah, another example, where they find the Torah, and then they're just like, oh my gosh, why aren't we doing these things? And it's just like, I relate to that story so much, because I don't want to say that I discovered the Torah, but when it became apparent to me that these things were relevant for today, how awesome was that? And then right. I'm essentially now looking at this like, hey, listen, you know, I'm, I'm not qualified necessarily to keep the Passover or whatever, but God allows me to because of the earnestness of my heart oh, and my it's prayers. Powerful. You know, it's interesting, you know, identity... Sabbath, feast days, these all go together. Well, and God wants us to come you to know, the I, I actually got my identity in the feast days before I got the Torah. Right. So that was like, you know, what, I'd say four years later, because in 1995, I realized that I'm a Friam, I'm a non-Jew, I'm coming out of the nations, and I'm grafted in, in Romans 11. And then, of course, uh, you know, the Sabbath and the feast days, the dietary laws, but then, you know where did we get these things but from the Torah so in the fall of 1999 we started our first Torah cycle here at Beit Tehila so it's been over 20 years I, I have the same testimony except I was very resistant to the idea of Torah when I first started coming here to Beit Tehila you and everyone else kept saying the word Torah and I would like twitch I'd be like eh, oh yeah uh, it's, Torah uh, I was like, if he says we... Torah one more time or I could have just said <laughs> law Either way, that probably would have, sounds a little better than law. Either way, it would have made me. Oh, the law twitch. is so wonderful. You know, uh, in Numbers nine fourteen, we're in chapter nine. Uh, and if a stranger shall sojourn among you, and will keep the Passover unto the Lord, according to the ordinance of the Passover, and according to the manner thereof, so shall he do. You shall have one ordinance both for the stranger and for him that was born in the land. So if this person comes along and wants to uh, join us and, and, and play by the rules and be in covenant, serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, the stranger is an equivalent, okay? This isn't just accepting anybody. This is somebody that's, that's coming into covenant, okay? Maybe they're not an Israelite or whatever. They're an Egyptian. And, of course, what I love about this is that uh, uh, a, a cloud by day and, and fire by night is what covered the tabernacle, you know? When the cloud would move, they would move. And, of course, the fire by night is right there, Numbers 9.16. And um, this is a great uh, discussion here that we had. When the cloud moved, the children of Israel moved with it. How is the cloud moving today in regards to the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith movement, Ryan? How could you answer that? How is the cloud moving right now that you see or you're witnessing here at Beit Tehillah? You see this cloud moving, you're like, whoa, this cloud is moving because we didn't you know, before the cloud was here, and now it's over here, and we're following it. Give give the listeners a, a little inspiration. Um, I would I, first off, I would say that um, you know, some would say the cloud is moving in different directions. Um, but I'm going to give you the way I see it, and that way, you know, we'll just stay safe, right? And so the way right. I, I mean, a good thing. Yeah, of course. No, I'm no, talking no. good. You know, like, like oh, of course, the opportunities. I, yeah, the cloud course. gives us opportunities. Clearly, and that's what I, I see. I actually an, use the cloud for my pictures. I put all my pictures in the cloud. Yeah, you're so funny. And there's so many pictures I can put up there. They were so ahead of their time back then. So um, 
so first off, uh, I think that letting God lead this movement is is basically what we're talking about. So when the cloud moves, we move, is essentially what we mean. And I think that when the Hebrew Roots movement first started out, um, separate from, say, the Messianic movement, it was rooted in a, in a, a bit of anti-Semitism. And when I say that, I, I mean that there—I'm going to leave it at that. There was some anti, anti-Semitism that built into it. And how can you be two houses, right, when you don't believe in, you know, getting together with the other house, right? It doesn't make sense. The natural branch. Right? You talk about the, the, the reconciliation and the regathering of the whole house of Israel. Well, there's two houses, <laughs> so you have to get with the other house, right? So, so the way I see it is that Jews and non-Jews are coming together. They're reading the scriptures, and God is, you know, planting these seeds of revelation uh, within them that is opening up and circumcising their hearts and softening their hearts towards each other. Not necessarily that they're compromising on... Um, mutual the, respect. Right, mutual respect and, and, and also common causes that we can work together on. Um, and I think that's uh, very important. I think that it's important to look at it from, from that angle that, hey, God has things that you know he needs done in the earth, and he's called us to do them, but we can't do them without our brothers. Uh, and sisters. And so it's important that, you know, we come together. So I see that the cloud is moving in that direction. The cloud is moving towards Israel, a love for Israel, a love for the land, a love for the Jewish people, a love for, um, you know, the, the, the sovereignty over the land for, for even the possibility and ability to go and, and move to Israel and be citizens. Um, I mean, just it's moving in that direction because eventually, right, Yeshua is going to come, and where's he coming to? He's coming to the land. He's coming to the Mount of Olives. He's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. And so I don't know about everybody else, but I believe this stuff. And so this is not just a passing fad to me. And so where I see the cloud moving is towards Jerusalem, and that we should all be focusing on Jerusalem. And if I can go and be there when he comes back, I mean, what talk about, like, I, I mean, People talk about Sun and Fun. People talk about the the McDill, which is the Air Force Base here in Tampa. Uh, you know, uh, air show where they do all the air, you know, aerobatics and all that. Um, all that stuff's cool. And everybody's you know standing there, and you see them, and they got their binoculars out, and they're looking up. But for me, I want to be on the Mount of Olives, and I want to have my binoculars out. I'm, I'm going be horizontal. Up. I'm not going vertical. Well, I hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, so so think about it, everybody. The first thing promised to the seed of Abraham, the descendants, is of course the, the land. land. There should be some interest there. There should be some something going on inside of you that you want to go there. As a matter of fact, I got a little jar here, a little bottle of dirt from the mountains of Tekoa sitting on my desk. Yeah. I mean, no kidding, you know, a little. And, and so I'm seeing this, you know. So this is what's really exciting, you know, just as well, um, you know, um, having the, the Jews from Israel come and visit us, especially those involved in the Land of Israel Network, uh, you know, it's incredible to see the mutual respect and what the Father is truly doing with a lot of these Jews in the land of Israel. You know, it's it's interesting that that's what's happening. We're not really hooking up with Jews in the nation of America. Right. It's, it's Israel. Yeah. So I think that is paramount. That's definitely a cloud thing right there. And so uh, we've, we've done chapters 8 and 9. We're going to get into Numbers chapter 10. Uh, verses 1 through 10, we have, of course, the, the blowing... Uh, of trumpets, uh, and we have, of course, uh, two trumpets of silver to call the assembly together in Numbers 10.2, and of course, uh, in regards to the trumpets, the sons of Aaron, the priest, were in charge of blowing the trumpets. Now, when the children of Israel go to war against their enemies in their land and sound an alarm, the Lord would remember them. Wow. Uh, Listen, probably 40 years ago, you didn't even hear a shofar. You didn't even know what a shofar was. Right. But uh, shofars are pretty popular now in churches and among, um, you know, uh, in the church or the Messianic movement, in the Hebrews movement. Everyone's packing a shofar. Everybody's carrying, I think. Um, And of course, the trumpets were blown for feast days, new moons and offerings. Numbers 10.10. This is a verse that we use every Rosh Kodesh, every, every time we meet together for the new moon service. Once again, trumpets were blown for feast days, new moons, and offerings. Uh, matter of fact, um, it says right here, uh, you know, this, this would not only give an alarm, but it would actually call forth an assembly. You know, where's Briella? Would you like to blow the shofar for us real quick? Can you blow the shofar? I got my little daughter Briella here. She's six, and uh, she's going she's gonna to blow a shofar. 
and uh, she's going to show you how it's done. Once again, the Bible says we will return us and our children. So, Briella, uh, you want to say hi to everyone? Hi. Okay. Let's see what you got for us, all right? Here we go. Blowing of the shofar. <laughs> that was excellent. That was awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> wow, that was cool. You know, it's so funny. I think even my oldest daughter, my firstborn daughter, she had like her little bib on. She was in this, you know, sitting in this, what What do you call it? Swing? No. Car seat? It's the... Uh, high chair. High chair. There you go. The old high chair, right? She's little. And, and she's like reaching out to grab the shofar. And so I just put it next to her and she put it to her lips and blew it. Stop. I'm like, whoa. Whoa, wow. whoa, in her high chair. Yeah, all of my kids always try to like blow it, like like put the whole end in their mouth and like blow. You know what? That's a start. Yeah. You got to go is. to trumpet class. You got to pinch those lips. You know, we've had uh, several foster children through our home, right? That's and right. They, and we blow the shofar with them and they all love the shofar. And then we let them blow the shofar and everything. Oh, and so, I'll tell you what. And, and hey, we're all adopted. Yeah. Well, and those are cool little memories. I think that they'll they'll like connect with later on in life if they ever encounter a shofar they'll be like oh yeah i remember the shofar. You they know, won't remember me but oh, they'll yeah. remember the and shofar. i'll tell you that's 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 the thing you know we, we could get into a lot of things you know uh some people believe the last trump is is donald in the bible mm. um but once again um, i always thought it was barren well we, we could actually uh yeah that could be a son we actually <laughs> um have uh seven trumpets in revelation uh i don't have an address for it, but in zachariah it actually says that god will blow the trumpet over us uh, why? Because of the law of first mention, right? right. Uh, the law of first mention would say that God blew the shofar over us at Mount Sinai. And of course, Yeshua, Jesus entered into this marriage covenant. He was the rock that followed them in the wilderness. That'll blow your mind. Uh, and of course, you know, the, the church was in the wilderness, it says. It means the called out ones, those that were called out. Just like God is calling you out right now, listening to this podcast. He's calling you out. You could be listening to AM radio, or you could just be going down the street or whatever. But no, you, you are listening to this podcast because he's writing Torah on your minds and your heart, and you are finding your way. What an incredible time. Now the children of Israel leave the wilderness of Sinai in the second month on the 20th day in the second year, and the cloud rested in the wilderness of Paran, uh, Numbers chapter 10, verses 11 and 12. So once again, remember, if you're to get married, you're supposed to be with your spouse for a year before you go to work or go to war, all these things. So when they got married, they actually camped out for nearly yeah, a year. In other words, they get at, to establish their house before right. they and, go uh, to war. And so anyway... It's interesting as well because we have, of course, uh, when Moses invited his father-in-law Jethro to go on the journey with him to share in the promise made to the children of Israel concerning the promised land, uh, his response was, you know, I, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my kindred. So not everyone's meant to go on this particular journey. Uh, I look back on all the people that have come and gone from Beit Tehillah and given so much in, in regards to the vision, and at, at that time, those chapters of Beit Tehillah, as we're moving into a new chapter, but so many people have given, and we're so grateful in, for that, uh, but we all have a journey. We all we are on the road of Teshuvah, returning, and so uh, it's interesting. You know, he says, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my kindred, so this is not really a bad thing. Uh, it could be used to, in context of, you know, maybe they just want to go back into their comfort zone, what they're familiar with. Because I can assure you of this, I'm not familiar with anything right now at Beit Tehillah. It's all new and fresh, and God's really moving. So, so think about that as well. Uh, in Numbers chapter 10, verses 35 and 36, I'm going to have Ryan read that. Uh, this is in regards to the ark going before the people. Uh, they've gotten their marching orders, and great things are happening. All right, it says, And it came to pass when the ark set forward that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered. And let them that hate thee flee before thee. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. Wow. I like those you verses. You know, that, I mean, what, what do you think about that, Ryan? Well, it's cool because we, um, we, we say part of that in our, our Torah liturgy for the Torah portion. And uh, I just think it's, it's awesome because, you know, the ark goes forward, which is, you know, the representation of the presence of God and his his kingship, his throne over Israel. 
And so um, when the ark goes forward, Moses says, rise up, Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, right? Let the ones that hate you flee from before you. And I'll tell you what, if you hate, if you hate Yahweh, if you hate Yeshua, you better get to running because I'll tell you what, it's not going to be a good day for you uh, when, it, when it goes down. And the ark is the throne. It's actually the throne of God when you think about it. And it's the Torah, the mercy seat. It's got so many cool things. Right. And so now they're on the move, right? So the cloud moves. Now they're on the move. The um, the ark is going. They have the protection because the enemies scatter from before it, right? And then when they rest, now they say, O Lord, return unto the many thousands of Israel. You know, I was just thinking about this, Ryan. When, when the Torah is written on minds and hearts right now, in Jeremiah 31, Hebrews 8, all over the world, I've been in Torah for 20 years. When you think about this, Ryan, this is what blows my mind. The enemy knows he's in trouble. Oh, yeah. So what's happening now is that's what the Torah does. It, it just, it, it, it scatters the enemy. Matter of fact, you could actually be set free from demons and bad habits by following the Torah. I'm telling you, when you start becoming obedient... Demons have to leave. Familiar yeah. spirits have to leave. Obedience because brings the blessing. You're replacing something. It's a spiritual Disobedience law. to obedience. And, and I can testify to this personally, but I, I will say this, though. It's interesting how now because of this, we can return. Because now we have a Torah. We have a constitution, you know, which is which is really exciting to me right. to think about that. And, and so, you know... Uh, when living the lifestyle in regards to the Hebrews of the Christian faith, not everyone wants to go on the journey, you know. Uh, just a couple references for you to understand. Uh, not everybody is grafted into the olive tree and lives the lifestyle. Romans eleven seventeen, And of course, not everybody wants to live in the land. Uh, we can find this promise of, of the land in Genesis 12, 1, Genesis 15, 7. Also, we can find it in reference to uh, after the Valley of Dry Bones, the two sticks becoming one. Uh, Ezekiel 37, verses 21 and 22. And then, of course, we have the great reference of, if you're in Christ, you are the seed of Abraham, uh, Galatians 3, 29. And heirs according to the promise. Heirs according to the promise. <laughs> Don't forget Ryan, that part. could you read Ezekiel 37, verses 21 and 22, in reference to the two sticks becoming one, in, in reference to Ephraim, which means the nations, and then, of course, Judah, which are the Jews, the natural branches. Now, check this out. Now, this is in regards to Ephraim and Judah. Uh, Ezekiel 37, the two sticks becoming one, verses 21 and 22. All right, it says, And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen, whither they be gone, and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king of them all, and they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms more at all. So just like we were saying, the cloud is moving towards Israel, right? And I will tell you what, I know that there are people, people in my own family, I mean, not my immediate family, but people within my family that will roll their eyes at even that thought. Like, why would you do that? America. I look. I get it. I'm as patriotic and I love America as much as the next guy. But here, right here in the scriptures, but if you want to get to the land, I, I think you're going to go. But here's what he says. But he if says, you don't, you don't. I will make one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And then what? And then what happens? And then one king shall be king of them all. So what happens? We get together in the land, and we get a king. Who's the about king? you got to live somewhere. Yeshua. Right now we're in Brandon, Florida. Is Brandon so great? I see. I'm, we just look, we got to live somewhere. Look, I don't need to make excuses at this point. It, the Bible says it right here, right? The nation will be in the land of Israel, on the mountains of Israel, right? And one king. Who's the king? It's Jesus Christ himself, Yeshua. I don't know about y'all. But kings have kingdoms, kingdoms have borders. I want to be a part of his kingdom. You know, and this is where, you know, Christianity has to wake up because, right, it's like this. Well, well, I, I just want to go to heaven. Heaven's coming to earth. So when Jesus comes to rule and reign, where do you want to live? Do you want to be the nations that are coming and visiting? Isn't that... Or do you want to be in the land? A song? Ooh, it could baby, be. We got we to move on here. There, see, notice we're not weird. reading scriptures because there's so much content. We, we, we don't have time for oh, reading other scriptures. But but we're going into Numbers chapter 11 now. We did we did 8, 9, and, and 10. I got a little passion. We are in Numbers 11, verses 1 through 9. Oh, here it is. The people complain. Is that a problem Can today? Can we skip this part? Well, let me tell you what the Lord did when the people complained. The Lord became angry. His fire burnt among them, and it consumed those in the uttermost parts of the camp. Now, 
I'm not sure about geographically speaking here what, what he's referencing fully, but I will say this, though. It's kind of like, you know, one foot in the camp and one foot towards Egypt. I don't know. Uh, something's going on here. Yeah. The uttermost parts of the camp would be the outskirts or the, the outside. So you got one foot in and one foot out. What's going to happen to you? If you straddle the fence, you're going to hurt yourself. Oh, yeah. You're going to you're going to you're going to hurt yourself. And, and so, you know, this is what God did because they complained when the people cried to Moses. Uh, he prayed to the Lord and the fire was quenched. Thank God for Moses. You know, I'm always making intercession for people because that's all I can do. You know, they're going to continue to say things, continue to do things. And I just I got to bear the brunt of it and just pray and intercede for them, you know, and hope the best because, you know, it's 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 something that's not working out in them, you know. And so if you look at the uh, the combo here, we have two groups of people that lusted after flesh to eat. We had two groups of people, uh, the mixed multitude and, of course, the children of Israel. So some people did leave Egypt that were not Israelites, the Egyptians uh, or maybe in some other nations. I mean, when you call it a something. mixed multitude, I'm pretty sure that means it was a big old mix. It, it, it means like, it's like a tapestry of different fabric, Ryan, or, or strings of thread. So like a bunch of different people. And from guess what the places. word is? It's adab, adab. So it's a bunch of Arabs coming out. Well, it ain't Arabs, but it's adab. <laughs> That's the Hebrew word adab. You can check it out for yourself. Um, and of course, what do they do? The six things they remembered eating in Egypt were fish and cucumbers and melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. And whoppers and quarter pounders of cheese. And, <laughs> and and so the people were tired of the manna, you know, yeah. they were tired of the manna, you know, and, and we got to be careful that, that, you know, we don't, we don't get tired of the manna. God provides, God protects, but uh, this is what we all do. You know, Oh, I remember when I used to have my coffee this way, or, Oh, I remember this and I remember that. And, and, and it's like, it's even people that go back to old glory. You ever hear people just talk about the oh, old times? Stuck in the past. Yeah. You know, I got married when I was 17 years old in my Model T, and, and I'm like, listen, is he moving today? Well, listen, We need I mean, fresh glory. But, I mean, we need something today, folks. Testimonies are great. They right? are. But we need fresh manna. Yeah. We need fresh manna. You know, and, and this is what, what was so incredible, Ryan, about our Feast of Shavuot and really stressing the power of the Holy Spirit. I prayed for six young people. Yeah. They weren't even 18. No, I saw Pastor Teak for praying for a lot of people 10. too. I was like, wow. And the Lord showed me, he says, in, in the last days, your sons and daughters will prophesy. That means speak the very oracles of God. He says, your young men will have visions. Old men will dream dreams. Young men having visions is fresh revelation from God, everyone. And listen, if you're listening to this, people are looking for, for a move of God. Let me tell you what the move of God is. The Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. It is the move of God. I'm telling you this, and you get to be a part of it, and you know, that speaking, is what is so exciting. Speaking of it being, you know, the move of God, I wanted to mention one thing uh, about there's there was a discussion question uh, on Monday night, and it was when living the lifestyle in regards to the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. Why is it that not everyone wants to go on the journey? Um, and I think that there is a myriad of of answers to that, but not the least of which is uh, bad doctrine being one of them. But then the big one is. It's just designed that way. Uh, it's going to be a remnant of a remnant of a remnant. And so when we say not everyone wants to go on the journey, just like Jethro didn't want to go on the journey with Moses, you know, we look at that and we, you know, our heart sinks because, you know, there's people that we know and love. I'm, I'm sure that Moses loved his father-in-law and wanted him to go on the journey with him. But again, God is setting a people apart, and we don't get to choose who those people are. It's a remnant of a remnant of a remnant. And that's what we're saying, you know. So, you know, we, we can't be complaining as we're on this journey. And I tell you, Moses said to the Lord that the people were a burden laid upon him. You know, he had just had enough, you know. He just I, he just had enough. He just, just kill me. Just take me. I've had enough. He I can't did. handle this anymore. He did say that. Can't take no more. Now, I've never come to that place where I wanted to be killed or died. Uh, I, maybe there's times I'd want to walk away, but I've never said, hey, just kill me or take me. I got a wife and kids and everything. I don't want that to happen. Uh, and so what happens is, you know, you get what you ask for. Uh, the Lord said that he would feed the children of Israel flesh for one month. He would feed the children of Israel flesh for one month. Now, I want you to see this picture, Ryan. There's a, there's a controversy happening. There's something happening here uh, when people are complaining. So there's like, there's two camps. There's those that are complaining and those that are listening to those that are complaining. And I think what's happening here is, is God's getting ready to do something incredible, which is to share the burden with, with Moses. Uh, he, of course... Uh, what, what he did is, you know, he went and he, um, the Lord had Moses choose 70 elders. 
uh, that he knew and the spirit that was on Moses would be put upon them by the Lord to help bear the burden of the people. Are you seeing the Holy Spirit? It was in the Old Testament? Think about it. The spirit that was in Moses would be given to 70 elders that Moses would choose. You know, like myself, I choose my leadership and God directs me and guides me, you know, and it's 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 not that big, but it's 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 big enough to help carry the burden and the load to help minister to the people. Well, it was the spirit of the that, Lord that, that was upon Moses. That's true. So, so once again, you know, uh, and then of course, he, once he does this, he's like, "All right, now this is what I'm going to do. Now I've got I've got seventy elders for you, and of course, the the seventy elders, uh, when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. Yeah, they were speaking the very oracles of God. What it, what it is, Ryan, is, is to speak the very oracles of God. Meaning, it's not opinions. Right. It's not coming out of your own heart. It's thus it's, saith it's the Lord. It's thus saith the yeah. Lord. So that's why we're moving towards this altar of incense and prayer. I was thinking maybe time. they came up with 70 ways to cook quail, but... Nope, nope, nope. I don't think so. I mean, or 70 ways to do manna. But think about it. For one month, you know, and so the, as, as Moses has this burden and people are complaining, he's got 70 elders now to distribute to help out the situation. You know, it's, it's called delegation. And so when Eldad and Medad prophesied... Joshua wanted Moses to forbid them, uh, but Moses wanted all to have the Spirit. He said, I wish all of Israel would prophesy. You know, it's interesting that, uh, that Eldad means God loves, and Medad means love. You know, I'm like a Medad. Medad, you're a dad, mm-hmm. and Father's Day is coming up. Medad, me-dad you means dad. love. Yeah. yeah, and Eldad means God loves. Interesting, because it's, because uh, what is it, Ahava means love, right? That's true. In Hebrew. So so what's funny is, remember when the disciples said, hey, these people are doing all these things, and, and, or whatever, and Jesus says, hey, if they're not against me, they're for me. Right. So I think that's really cool. And and of course, once again, what happens, the, uh, the Lord brings the quail among the people. That's the flesh that he promised for one month. And in Numbers 11, 33... While the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. Be careful what you ask for. You know, one of my prayers is, is, is I always pray this, Lord, don't give me anything, right, that I want that's not as good as what you want. I want what you want, Lord. That's what I want. Don't let me have these other things because I won't be happy in the end. And then I'll have to circle the wagon again. I'll have to go around the mountain again. And so we have this place here. All those that lusted were buried at Kibroth Hataava in Numbers 11.34. You know, they buried them there. Which is what? It was that the grave of... Um, lusting. Of lusting, yeah. Yeah, the lusting grave. Uh, and, and that's terrible. So here we have Numbers chapters 8, 9, and 10, and 11. Now we're going into the final chapter here. Read Numbers. Uh, we have chapter 12, verses 1 through 16, for the sake of time, we won't do that. But Miriam is punished. Sibling rivalry, we could title this chapter. Uh, these two pe- people that spoke against Moses was his own brother and, and Aaron. And, and they actually says here they spoke against him because of the Ethiopian woman whom he married. So they were in contention over that. They were saying, well, you married this Ethiopian woman and blah, blah, blah. We're in a, this marriage arrangement and everything. But But if we get to the real issue, here it is. Aaron and Miriam believed Moses was not the only one to whom the Lord could speak to in Numbers 12, 2. So, so they're contesting their, their, their little brother because he's the little brother. Uh, Miriam is the oldest. Then Aaron is the middle child. We know he got in trouble. And then, of course, Moses is the youngest. Uh, but the, the Lord called to Moses and Aaron and Miriam to the door of the tabernacle so he could speak to them. He says, okay, we're going to have a family meeting. I want you to meet me at the door of the tabernacle Okay, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Let's go. And he says this in Numbers 12.8. Why don't you read it, Ryan? Numbers 12.8 is what the Lord says while they're at the gate of the tabernacle. He says this, With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then were ye not afraid uh, to speak against my servant Moses. So he spoke face to face to Moses. He gave him clear instructions. No, no dark sayings, nothing, you know, not mysterious. Riddles. This isn't something you got to no figure riddles, out. So no riddles, no parables, said, hey, just a straight up story. Here you go, Moses. And of course, you know, after the cloud departed, Miriam became leprous, you know. And, uh, and of course, you know, Moses cried out to God to heal his sister. Uh, and he healed her. Which was her. nice of him. He did. He cried out. He felt sorry for her. And that's how we should feel for our siblings that come against us. 
feel sorry for them, pray for them, intercede for them, right? Because they know not what they do. Because they might end up leprous. Well, you know, this this title for this chapter could be sibling rivalry, you know? And so what are the dynamics of family ministry, both good and bad? Think about that. That's a good question, isn't it? What are the dynamics of family ministry, both good and bad? It's kind of like when you own a restaurant as a family, you can always see the problems that ensue uh, in regards to that. Uh, something, something comes to mind, Ryan, is the fact of sibling rivalry. We can see this uh, with Joseph and his jealous brothers. Uh, Genesis 37, verse 3 Joseph was given a coat of many colors, which is a coat of prominence that he was going to be made the firstborn because, you know, that's what Jacob wanted to do. Uh, we know that uh, things happen with the first few sons or whatever, and, and, and Joseph was his favorite from Rachel, and so uh, he's going to give him the preeminence and all this. And, of course, you know, Joseph has these dreams and everything, gets thrown into a pit and separated like we see today. Joseph knew who his brothers were, but his brothers didn't know who he was. And so we can see the sibling rivalry played out as well. We can even go as far as even looking at King David. You know, he was out tending the sheep and the prophet came to say, are these all your sons? He goes, well, yeah, I got another one out there. He's the youngest. He's out in the sh- with the sheep. Like he was no big deal. And God picked him. You know, it's, it's funny around how God picked me because I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to lead a congregation. My wife and I were just wanting to support you know, her mom and dad and the community and that. And you'd be amazed at what God can do when he calls you to it. And he says, okay, I'm, I'm, oh, I need you to do this. And you're like, well, I, I don't want this. You know, I don't. And a lot of people in ministry want a position. They want to be in ministry. They want to be noticed. And I think Jesus references all this. You got the best to lead. You get the best seats. Oh, yeah. It, it's, not, it's not really appropriate or good. Well, so we can see sibling rivalry. For those of you listening, it, it, where you're at in the birth order is kind of interesting, but we, of course, can, can go over that later. But it, it's something to think about. You know, um, Jesus was accused of having demons or devils, uh, and, and not to say that his family accused him of that, but but uh, Yeshua's relatives did challenge him. You can see this in Matthew chapter 12, uh, verses 46 through 50. And Jesus goes on to say, well, who's my brother, my mother, my sister? Who are these people? But did that do the will of the father? You know, these are my relatives. Right. Because, you know, he's the son of the father. So if we're relatives of Jesus, we need to listen to the father. And that's a a perfect picture of the Godhead. The Godhead, the father is the will, the will. What is the will? The will of the father. And then, of course, the word, you know, the word is Jesus, Yeshua. Then the power for all of this is the Holy Spirit. And there's, there's your Godhead right there. And so once again, Miriam was put outside the camp for seven days ceremonial law once again and when she returned they left Hazaroth to the wilderness of Paran so once again they had to put her out of the camp for seven days you know so many people are outside the camp right now Ryan and they just love it they think it's the greatest thing oh they're outside the camp but they don't realize it oh yeah no no for sure we talked about that last week um, so the two lessons uh, that we got out of this as a group uh, were pretty interesting. Uh, the first one was in regards to that question I, we were talking about earlier about uh, when living the lifestyle in regards to the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, why is it that not everyone wants to go on the journey? And um, uh, I heard a, a, a story one time by a good friend of mine um, who runs a local like a business, you know, men's ministry. And uh, the story is basically they went on a missions trip to Cuba and when they go, they go door to door and just door knocking. If you've ever been uh, part of a congregation that does like soul winning, where they go out to apartments and, and houses and neighborhoods, and they, they go and they try to meet people and they walk them through the plan of salvation right there on the spot and, and pray with them um, to bring people into the family of God. Uh, and so he's going door to door through uh, some neighborhoods in Cuba. And, you know, the, the feedback that he was getting, you know, when he would ask people, because depending on, you know, what type of culture you live in, you know, a lot of people, I think in the United States will, you know, be culturally question, they'll be question, Christian, quote unquote. Um, and so they'll just pray with you and say yes to the plan of salvation just to get you to go away. Right. Um, because they kind of seem it, see it as benign or harmless, or it's kind of part of what they already know anyways. Um, but in other cultures, you know, you'll get a lot of people to be like, no, I'm not interested in that because they're more atheistic or, or whatever. Right. And so you got to know Cuba is a, a communist atheist country. And so, um, you know, when they would ask the question, well, why is it that you don't want this free gift of salvation from, from God? Uh, the most common answer, because they would record the answers, um, was always something that they didn't want to give up. Oh, well, I, you know, live with my, my girlfriend, or I'm gay, or I'm, uh, I uh, still drink and smoke or, or do whatever. I have some habit or hang up, you know, fill in the blank. 
And it was interesting because when you hear that, it breaks your heart because the gift of God is free. Uh, it doesn't, the, the answer to salvation isn't get your life together and then find Jesus. The answer to salvation is find Jesus and together the two of you will help get your life together. It's, and so what most people do is they flip it backwards that they're not good enough or they're not, you know, together enough in order to go to church or to receive salvation or to, to have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think the same thing goes along with, uh, the Hebrew roots. You know, once that you realize there's a standard, um, and that that standard is still relevant today, people are very resistant to it because they're resistant to accountability in general, just like they're resistant to it when it comes to salvation. And so I find that raising the standard is something that the general population is going to be uh, resistant to, and they don't want to give up, um, you know, pork or something silly, right? I mean, would, would, is it get closer to God or eat pork? You know, I mean, which one is it for you? And and not necessarily that not eating pork makes you closer to God, right? Because if you do anything with the wrong spirit, then it's then it's irrelevant. But it's still it's an interesting topic. And and the second thing was what God has elevated, let no one profane. That was our second thing that we came up with. And the reason for that was when we look at Miriam and we look at what she did, I think that you know uh, between the three siblings. Uh, Aaron, Miriam, and, uh, and Moses, they probably had several conversations about what to do or what not to do, and that they had, um, that they were used to being able to put in feedback in a private setting. The issue here is that this is in a public setting. And so when you uh, undermine authority in a public setting, and that authority has been put there by God, you are in effect undermining God's authority. And that is a problem. Things that need belong in private when you're having conversations belong in private, and things that belong in public uh, belong in public. And so dishonoring Moses was dishonoring God. And that was a real problem uh, for God, apparently, because he um, you know, struck uh, Miriam with leprosy. But she ended up okay. So um, those were our two things. There's a lot in there. Man, I'll tell you, you know, we... You know, real quick, Ryan, you know, those that are listening, I want to leave you this one little thought here. And you can actually check this out for yourself because God knew that he would write his Torah on minds and hearts on his children in the last days. And we would go back to the Torah. We would learn about our forefathers and the sins of our forefathers and all the mistakes that they made. But but Paul, and I'm just going to read it out to you real quick here, just keep it simple. Uh, basically, uh, these are admonitions from Israel's history. You can go into 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and read it for yourself, okay? But let me just give you these three tests and tell me if you're passing them or not. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, you can read the whole chapter for itself in, in context, but here we go. He says, don't lust after evil things as they also lusted. So don't lust. Boy, this culture is full of lust. Um, don't be idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So that's number two. Don't be idolaters. What's idolatry? Whatever you give your strength to, whatever you get your strength from. Sports can be idolatry. I mean, you just got to think about it. So don't lust, number one. Number two, don't be idolaters. Number three, fornication. You know, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000. Uh, that's the third thing is fornication. Uh, the word is pornea or where we get the word porno or pornography. Okay, if you're caught up in pornography, it brings poverty. Remember that. Pornography brings poverty. So that should put the fear of God in you right there. So let us commit fornication. That's the third thing. So lust is number one. Idolatry is number two. Fornication is number three. Don't do these things. And number four is neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Ooh. So don't test the Lord. You don't, don't, don't test him. You know, uh, if you know to do something, do it. But just don't make rash decisions and say it's the Lord. That's kind of tempting me too, you know, uh, where you're getting a little mixed up there. So don't tempt the Lord. Uh, last but not least, here we go, folks. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. So there's your five tests right there. Murmuring. Murmuring. You got to catch ourselves. Get some oh, yeah. duct tape. Yeah, exactly right. Get so. some duct tape and just watch your mouth. So this is just uh, something to think about. And, and Paul references this because he actually says, now all these things happen unto them for in samples or types, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Yeah. So there it is, Ryan. Check it out. First Corinthians chapter 10, everybody. It's relevant for today, church. Wait, so if Paul even uses it in Corinthians, in his letter to the Corinthians, in order to show how relevant it is for today and how it's an example oh, for us. Oh, he says it's going to happen in the last days. It's amazing. 
So awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to me, have any questions or comments about this podcast or anything else, um, you can email me at ryan at twopraise.net. Uh, thank you again to those of you in Gibraltar listening. I just can't believe the people all the way over in, in what is it, off the coast of Spain, I think it is, um, are listening to our podcast. I mean, how, how cool is that? We thank you for listening. Uh, as you guys know, you can reach out to us uh, also by calling the office at 813-654-2222. And uh, you can uh, you know, uh, reach out to us on social media as well, where you can also live stream our services every Shabbat, every Saturday at 11 a.m., uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we love uh, seeing you guys on there. And, and obviously, most of the social media platforms have a way for you to comment and chat on there. And uh, Pastor Russell does a good job of keeping in touch with all of you guys in that manner. And so uh, we love you. We thank you. God bless you. Have a great week.